You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to change the subject here and talk about addiction, and not in the way you might be expecting. According to my next guest, we're living in a world that is overloaded with dopamine. And despite our best efforts, our relentless pursuit of pleasure via social media, smartphones, gambling, sex, food, and so much more is actually leading to pain. Our brains are essentially getting hooked on the neurotransmitter called dopamine associated with pleasure. And while pleasure is generally a good thing, like anything, too much can cause real harm. We can see it in the rising rates of depression and anxiety in wealthy countries, including the United States. So how do we beat this dopamine addiction? Joining me now is someone who has done a great deal of research and has some ideas on where we might start. Dr. Anna Lemke is the medical director and professor of addiction medicine at Stanford University. She's also recently appeared in the popular documentaries, The Social Dilemma and The Crime of the Century. And she's got a brand new book out. It is titled Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. Dr. Lemke, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So let's start by acknowledging the fact that you've been working with patients who struggle with a lot of forms of addiction for decades. So what, if anything, do these people have in common? In other words, what is the shared neurological framework for an addict? You know, our neurological framework that makes all of us vulnerable to addiction um, is the same neurological framework that helped us survive a millennia ago, you know, when we were living in, let's say, the, the scarcity of a desert and had to, uh, you know, work very hard to just find food, clothing, and shelter. The problem is that now we have all of those things provided. Some of us are more vulnerable than others to the problem of addiction, and some of that vulnerability is inherited or innately biological. But I contend that in this day and age, when everything has become drugified, we've all become vulnerable to the very same problem of addiction. And I look to my patients in recovery as modern-day prophets for the rest of us for how to live in this world. So in your book, you narrow in quite a bit on digital dependencies, something that for almost all of us has gotten worse over the course of the pandemic. So what does digital addiction look like? And is it more or less ubiquitous in our culture at this point? Well, it's certainly more ubiquitous because these technologies are new. And the way that any addiction looks is that we continue to compulsively ingest a substance or engage in a behavior despite harm to self and or others. Uh, another way of saying this is that we start to live um, in a way that is not consistent with our goals or our values. We start lying to ourselves and others about how we're spending our, our time, what we're doing online. Um, it's also really essential for, for folks to understand that these devices have been engineered to keep us hooked. This is 
not just a mere coincidence. Um, you know, the flashing lights, the, the, the alerts, uh, the way that everything is um, enumerated. So when we give numbers to a behavior, it makes that behavior more addictive. So the number of likes or the ranking in a video game, um, these are all things that, you know, pull us in and keep us hooked. So I, I want to spend a little time talking about the distinction that I think is probably pretty important between people who are addicted, for instance, to digital technology and, and cell phones and, and, and other forms of, of information gathering through these devices, and people who are just really excited about it and really enthusiastic about using it. I mean, I think the, the, the term addiction carries so much weight that I, I, I want to understand or help our listeners understand how to know if, if they have a problem with this or if they're just, uh, they're just enthusiastic, happy users. Yeah, I want to echo um, what you said. There are lots of good and positive things about this technology. People can make very important and meaningful and in intimate um, connections, you know, through social media. It's not at all to say that it's it's all bad. But uh, the message that I'm trying to get out is that there is this dark side, and that addiction is a spectrum disorder. So you know, it is possible to be a little bit addicted. I think. You know, honestly, that we are, all of us at this point, um, a little bit addicted to something. And certainly I write about in my book how I got a little bit addicted to romance novels <laughs> mediated primarily, you know, um, from getting, you know, a Kindle and having this instant easy access and how over time I needed more and more potent forms of it to get the same effect and eventually found myself, you know, reading um, erotica that was really not consistent with my values or how I wanted to be spending my time. I was staying up really late at night. At one point, I was even reading, you know, taking it to work and reading in between patients. So that that's an example of, of sort of what started out as kind of a harmless recreational activity, actually encroaching on my life in a way that was detrimental to me, my relationships, my work, and ultimately made me more anxious and depressed. Mm. And I think that's really the key piece there, too, that, you know, we engage in these recreational and pleasurable activities in order to feel better. But ironically, what they can do is put us into a dopamine deficit state so that we, we feel ultimately worse after the fact. I also just want to really add that it's really hard to know when we're becoming addicted. Uh, one of the um, sort of beguiling aspects of addiction um, is, is something that uh, many people in the field call denial. It's hard to know if you're addicted. When you're in it yourself, you don't really see it, mm. which is why one of the first things I recommend to my patients and one of the first things I did myself was to engage in a dopamine fast. And essentially what that means is to take a break from your drug of choice. And it's really fascinating to do that because what, what I think folks will notice if they, for example, put their smartphones away even for a single day is withdrawal. 
a, really a kind of a mental and physical feeling of restlessness, discomfort, anxiety, irritability. These are the universal symptoms of withdrawal from any addictive substance. But the key is if we could get through that initial withdrawal phase, then we can get to this, this place beyond that where we can experience ourselves in the world in a really different way where we feel better, and where we can then look back and see true cause and effect. And we can see the way that our compulsive overconsumption has actually been harmful for our lives. And then we're free to choose to live differently in the world. Mm. I'm talking with Dr. Anna Lemke. She is medical director and professor of addiction medicine at Stanford University and the author of the newly released book, Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. Uh, we're talking about these addictions that some of us have to the devices that we carry in our pockets or maybe just always carry in our hands, the inability to look away from the screen and engage in the world around you. I have to admit every time I say something like that that I am one of the worst offenders of this kind of addiction, and everybody around me is constantly reminding me of how much I'm using the phone, how much I'm looking at the phone and paying attention to social media, and not engaging with the people who are in front of me. We want to hear from you about what your experience has been. Uh, when's the last time you went somewhere and didn't bring your phone? Do you have mm -hmm. intentional digital detox days or time? Is there a certain no phone rule or policy at any regular point in your day or your week? Give us a call and let us know how you are dealing with the ubiquity of cell phones and social media uh, in our lives. Are you able to resist it? Uh, are you having a hard time sort of processing when it's appropriate uh, to engage with our devices and when we shouldn't. And I really want to hear from folks who are curious about the line between uh, excited or enthusiastic use of our cell phones and actual addiction uh, to the things that happen inside our brain when we engage in these things, the, uh, the addiction to the dopamine that is released in our brains that... Uh, it makes us feel really good when we're using these devices. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and put comments there, and uh, we'll try to include you in the conversation uh, that way. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Lemke, I want to talk about another book you wrote uh, a while ago. It was called Drug Dealer, and it was about the prescription drug epidemic. And I wonder if there are through lines between that research and what you're writing about here in Dopamine Nation. Yes. In fact, one of the sort of um, experiences or uh, bits of knowledge that I acquired in my work that led me to my current hypothesis that too much dopamine is a bad thing is I was seeing um, chronic pain patients who had been on opioids at high doses for many years and their pain was actually worse, not better. Mm. And then when we worked with them to get off of those opioids, their pain improved. And this is really a paradox because here's a medicine that initially is great for pain, 
um, you know, you would think that over time a patient would um, would benefit and would, would get better, but in fact, it has the opposite effect. And the reason for that is because opioids, like any addictive drug, release a lot of dopamine in the brain's reward pathway. Dopamine is our pleasure neurotransmitter. And the brain responds to that by down-regulating our own dopamine and our own dopamine receptors in order to restore balance or what we call homeostasis. And the same thing, unfortunately, happens in patients who take opioids long-term for chronic pain as they develop tolerance to the opioid. It stops working, and eventually it kind of turns on them, changes their pain threshold, and can, in some instances, make pain worse over time. So that was part of what led me to think about, wow, you know, maybe in some in some ways the reason that I see so many people coming in who are depressed and anxious is, you know, not because they, the bad relationship with their mother or because, you know, they suffered some kind of trauma or at least not, not necessarily the only reason. Maybe it's really because they're spending all day on their phones or they're binging on Netflix or they're smoking cannabis all day. And what I discovered over, you know, 20 plus years of working with patients is that doing a dopamine fast and stopping that high dopamine substance or behavior, although initially people feel worse, by the time they get to about a month, they feel better. Mm. Anxiety improves, depression improves, uh, they feel more in their bodies, more alert, they sleep better. And it really, it really convinced me that, number one, we're living in a dopamine overloaded world, and that, number two, we, we really need to be intentional about not ingesting too much dopamine. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about dopamine addiction and the devices uh, that pump that dopamine into our brains uh, that are in our hands. We'll get to you and your calls and your comments next. If you want to join us, tell us how you manage all of the addictive technology around us. Are you able to take breaks from it? Are you able to set aside parts of the time of the day? where you don't engage with the phone and you engage with the world around you. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter for comments there. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is your place for open dialogue. The music you love. Real news and in-depth analysis. And cultural experiences. The sound of Detroit. 1019 WDET is your public radio station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Dr. Anna Lemke. She is a medical director and professor of addiction medicine at Stanford University and the author of a newly released book called Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. Uh, We're talking about the ways in which the phones that we carry in our pockets often in our hands, uh, are shaping uh, our lives and wondering whether they have reached the point for some of us of being an addictive substance, being the sort of 
uh, inspiration for an addiction to the dopamine that uh, is released in our brains when we engage with these devices. It's something that uh, I absolutely admit to struggling with uh, in, in my life. We want to hear from you about how you manage this kind of issue. How do you, uh, how do you stop from becoming dic- addicted to uh, your cell phone? When's the last time you went someplace and actually left your phone behind? Uh, do you have intentional digital detox days or, or times? Uh, are there things that you try to do to make sure that you're spending less time on your phone and more time with the people who are uh, around you. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation that way. Especially, we want to hear from folks who are uh, who are really worried about the idea of addiction and maybe unsure where that line lies between, uh, you know, appropriate use of your cell phone and being addicted to it, uh, something that you really can't uh, can't put down or move away from. Uh, I want to read some social media comments here. Uh, Ed on Twitter says, the irony that I now answer you on my cell makes me admit, <laughs> yes, I have an issue. I have a panic attack. When I don't have my cell, and that is something I can absolutely relate to. If I leave the house and realize I don't have the phone, um, it's not just that I think about the urgency to get back home to get it, but there's a feeling that I have of almost panic uh, about not being connected and whether there's something happening that I that I need to know about. I really appreciate that comment. Glenn on Twitter says, I've noticed as I keep my online advertising profile clear of personal info and use cleaning app or use cleaning apps for cookies, advertising is not following my wants. I do uh, take regular breaks from devices because of the sensory overload that people like myself who worked in the media industry experienced. Uh, Glenn, I really appreciate uh, that that comment as well. Uh, Dr. Lemke, I want to I want to ask about um, I guess the, the tension between the idea of these phones and devices opening up the possibility for more social interaction. I mean, that is that is uh, the conceit behind all of this is that it makes it easier to interact with other people and to keep track of uh, lots of different things at the same time. And I guess the danger of it creating a more isolated world for us. I mean, there's there's sort of a double-edged sword there. Uh, and there's something ironic, I guess, about that danger, given that uh, the sales pitch for these devices, and I think uh, most of us would would, uh, would admit that, you know, they do make things, they do make things easier and they do make us more social. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. You're hitting on the central paradox. The more time and energy we spend investing in the virtual world, the less time and energy we're investing in our relationships in real life. And, and then it's a self-perpetuating cycle. So then our virtual relationships and our virtual interactions become richer and more exciting um, at the same time that our in-real-life interactions start to pale in comparison. 
you know, I think for people who want to um, have interactions in real life or who are in real life relationships and want those relationships to be strong and, and intimate and get stronger, it's just going to be absolutely essential to put away the devices and start to invest in those real life interactions and to acknowledge that in some ways, the real life interactions are genuinely more boring at first, right? And they're also a heck of a lot more complicated, right? So if we're having a conversation with somebody in real life and we don't like what they're saying or they made us feel uncomfortable, we can't swipe right or swipe left and get rid of them, (laughs) right? We have to just sort of sit there and tolerate it. But tolerating that distress and investing in real life is going to ultimately make those real life relationships rewarding, intimate, meaningful, and a place where we want to spend our time. But the more we're in this virtual world, the less that's going to be true. And so that, that I think people really need to recognize that. And to the point that your callers were making, you know, that panic that you feel when you leave, you know, your phone behind, it's, it's just fascinating the ways in which like the phones have almost become like these living organisms, like babies that mm-hmm. we're sort of constantly tending to and taking care of. And we panic if we're not going to, you know, be able to be there for them. And yet, you know, it's really illusory because the truth is if you put your phone away for like even just a single day, you will have anxiety and like FOMO, fear of missing out in the first half of the day. But if you just resist those urges, I I promise you, you will get to a place where you're not feeling that anxiety anymore and you're actually enjoying having some distance. You're noticing things in your life. You're wanting to talk to your spouse and your kids. The real danger of these high dopamine rewards is that they they make everything else less interesting. Mm -hmm. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to Henry in Ann Arbor. Henry, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. Um, I was just saying that uh, my wife and I, we're, we're not as good as, about it as we used to be, but we used to do kind of a weekly energy fast where um, we would come home from work, uh, turn off you know, our phones, our computers, our TV, and we would try to do something together like play a board game, go out to dinner, uh, you know, have conversation, you know, things like that. Um, and, uh, and I think what was said that, you know, sometimes – um, you know, it's it's hard not to you know pull out the phone anyway, but <laughs> uh, and and that you do kind of feel that anxiety and that boredom. But I mean, if you kind of keep keep at it and keep trying, I mean, it was it's helpful for our relationship and it's been helpful for our mental health, you know, and, and a lot of other ways too. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, Henry, I'm curious about how you reached this point. Like, uh, what was the what was the the event or or realization, I guess, that you came to that you needed some rules, that you needed some some framework for for stepping away from the phone? Sure. I mean, it, well, it was a practice we we picked up um, uh, from some friends actually a while ago, and then we stopped doing it for a long time. And then um, I think when when COVID started, uh, we found we were uh, spending a lot more time. Um, of our free time on our phones and, and, uh, and, um, also, I mean, I, I was in grad school, uh, and working on my PhD and, uh, I found that I would come home and I would be <laughs> just burned out and tell her I would need to decompress. And that would result in me kind of going off on my computer for, you know, 
you know, several hours and, uh, and we kind of got to talking about that. It just, you know, wasn't a healthy way of, uh, for us to spend our, mm. our free time and our time to de-stress. And, um, and so we kind of just talked about it and, uh, set the, set ourselves to really, uh, be intentional with each other and, uh, and with how we spend our time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, I, uh, Dr. Lem. I was just going to say I love that. And, you know, and that's exactly the, the types of things I recommend in my book. You know, it's interesting. Culturally, this whole idea of intermittent fasting in terms of food has really taken hold. And I recommend intermittent fasting in terms of digital products. So exactly what you're doing, set a time of the day past which you won't look at any devices. I even recommend maybe turning off Wi-Fi to the house for that period of time. Mm. and intentionally making that a time to work on other projects, get your dissertation done, maybe in your case, spend time with family members, do it collectively with others rather than alone. But I think you're absolutely right. We have to kind of create these chronological, literal, and categorical barriers so that we limit our use. Um, and Stephen, I would just say, you know, if you're wondering like what the breaking point is, because mm-hmm. that seems to be a persistent question for you, if you have people in your life who are saying to you that you spend too much time on your phone and that you're not psychologically, emotionally present for them, that means you've crossed the line. That mm-hmm. really does mean it's time to pay attention and to try a dopamine fast and see, see where it takes you. Well, I mean, there's no question then that I'm not just uh, crossing that line. I, I, I would be way across that line by that standard. <laughs> uh, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that everybody I interact with uh, at work, at home, w- would say that, that they feel um, they feel neglected, uh, yeah. uh, you know, by by my attention being so focused uh, on yeah. the phone. And, yeah. And, yeah, and to be fair to you, you know, in your line of work, it probably is really important to, you know, stay on top of things. It's work, but can, right? Yeah. But that can be an excuse, too. I mean, that's a very <laughs> common excuse. So I have to be online for my work. It's like, do you really? You know, do you really? Isn't there a little bit of a window when you could just lock it away? Mm. And, you know, I mean, the thing that, that I always – if not feel badly about, but but I think sit and think about sometimes is how recent this is. You know, yeah, f- uh, five years ago, ten years ago, I I wasn't this person. I couldn't be this mm-hmm. person because mm-hmm. uh, we mm-hmm. didn't have all of the things that we have on right. our phones, and that right. gets to the intentionality of the manufacturers of these devices. Right, this is not That's something right. that just yeah. happened to us. Right. This is intentional. And, and we've lost our freedom as a result, right? We're less free. I mean, we feel that we have all this choice. And yet, ironically, we're kind of slaves to these devices. And so in order to regain, you know, our free will and to be able to really see the impact on our lives, we have to step away from it. Mm, yeah. Okay, uh, Dr. Anna Lemke, it was really great uh, to have you here. I I wonder if you can just quickly talk about what's that first step, maybe, that somebody Mm -hmm. is able to take. You know, the idea of walking away from the phone or leaving it at home, I think, might be a little extreme. But but what's a baby step someone can take to, to, to dealing with this? 
You know, I think the very first step is really just to be totally honest with yourself and potentially another human being about what is that substance or behavior Mm -hmm. that you have a conflicted relationship that you feel like is interfering with your goals and values and relationship. And just sort of write it down and be totally honest. Say, okay, well, how much am I actually ingesting, right? How much time am I actually spending on this app on my phone? I thought it was an hour. Gosh, it's three, you know, and then really be thoughtful. And I, in my book, I use an acronym that dopamine, um, where first you collected the data about what you're using. And then the O stands for, you know, you then look closely at, well, why, you know, what do you get from it? What's the positive thing? For a lot of people, it's just, it's numbing, it's an escape, it's a relief. Um, But then it's really important to look at the problems, and that's the P of dopamine. What are, if you're being really honest, what are the problems related to use? And if you don't see problems, maybe there are other people who have commented on problems. So after doing that, like being radically honest with what you're, you know, how you're spending your day versus how you want to be, Mm -hmm. then I do recommend the fast, the dopamine fast. And if not, if not for, you know, days at a time, then even just a single day, I think that 24 hour unit, a single day of putting it away can be really revelatory for people because they will go into withdrawal and it's almost a physical withdrawal, Mm. um, even from devices. And it's just amazing to see it because when you see the withdrawal, you realize just how addicted we all are. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was great to have you for here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. To do it for us today, remember to come out tonight to Otis Supply in Ferndale from 6 to 8 p.m. We're going to gather outside under the tent to talk about the things that we talk about here on Detroit Today. It's our first in-person public event since the pandemic began. You do need to register at wdet.org slash events. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.